0: Acts chapter 4, and we're going to be in verse 23 through verse 31. The good news of the gospel is the glorious, magnificent, wonderful news that salvation from an eternity of torment and hell is a possibility and a reality for those who would repent of their sins and believe in the finished work of Jesus Christ on their behalf. For believers, it is the sweetest news in the universe because we know, we all know, that we are utterly unworthy of heaven. We fall short of God's glory every hour, every minute. We know how sweet this news is. So why don't we share this news with others? Why don't you? A few weeks ago, we saw Peter and John proclaim the gospel to thousands of people in the very city where Jesus was crucified, and then they were arrested and made to stand before the Sanhedrin, the same Sanhedrin, the same court uh, that put Jesus to death, and that have the power to put them both to death too. And what did they do? They boldly proclaimed the gospel again. What's the difference? Were they some uh, amazing super-Christians who had some kind of super-boldness all the time? No. When Jesus was arrested at first, all the disciples ran away. They didn't even say anything. They just ran away from him. Three times Peter was asked if he was the man who was with Jesus, and he said, I did not know the man. Yet here, these same men who ran away, who denied Jesus, are proclaiming the good news of salvation in this resurrected Jesus with boldness before the same people they denied Jesus to. What's the difference? What's the difference between Peter and John from 50 days before to the proclamation we see in Acts chapter 4? And what's the difference between Peter and John in Acts chapter 4 and you and I today? What's the difference? Let's read. to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word to us. We know that it is a grace that the Sovereign Lord of the universe speaks and speaks to us. And we thank you, Father, that you have it here for us, written, so that we can always have you speaking to us. And yet, even in that, Father, it is not going to make any sense to any of us if you do not show up if you do not come and open our hearts and our minds to what you have for us in your word. And so I pray, Father, if there's anything I say that goes against who you are, that goes against what your word says, I pray that you would help us to all forget it. And if there is anything that does creep into any of our minds that is against you, I pray that you would remove it from our minds and replace it with good and right thinking and theology of what we see in your word. Humble us now so that we may be able to receive what you have for us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The good news of the gospel is the sweetest news in the universe, yet there's a difference between what we see in Acts chapter 4 and what we typically see today and what we do, what we see in our own lives. So how do we share this sweetest news in the universe? How do we do it? We see a prayer in our passage that's going to help these men and women as weak men and women who are afraid to speak of the gospel to speak of the gospel. And by this prayer, you and I, and make up the own difference in our lives. We see two parts to this prayer. The first is, You are sovereign. Therefore, too, we pray for boldness. Two parts to the prayer. You are sovereign. Therefore, we pray for boldness. Let's take a look at this first part of it. As a reminder... Of what is happening, Uh, Peter and John were arrested for teaching and proclaiming in Jesus' name the resurrection from the dead. The chief priests and the elders uh, they were annoyed at this teaching because they didn't believe it. They thought that when you died, you died, and that's it. So they were super annoyed, and they had them arrested and brought before the Sanhedrin the next day. The same Sanhedrin that accused and found the innocent Jesus guilty and had him crucified, Peter. Bold as can be, stands before all of them, knowing full well that they could put him to death. And he proclaims the gospel to them, that there is salvation in no other name except Jesus Christ. The Sanhedrin didn't know what to do with Peter and John because the man whom they had healed was standing right there next to him, a man who couldn't stand just a few days before. So they said, all right, we'll let you go if you promise to no longer speak in that name or teach in that name. To which Peter says, if it's right to listen to you or to God, you must choose. For we cannot but speak of all that we have seen and heard. Now you know that that made the Sanhedrin just so upset. But what could they do? They didn't know, so they let them go. And that's where we pick it up in verse 23. When they were released, because they couldn't figure out what to do with these men, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. So their friends, they were already gathered together. They had gathered together to pray for them when they were arrested so that they would be released. And they show up and they tell them, hey, look, here's everything that just happened. Here's what this guy said. Here's what this guy said. And then together, they begin to pray. And the prayer builds on one attribute, attribute of God, his sovereignty. And as we go through this prayer, this is what fuels point two. So just keep that in the back of your mind. Part two of the prayer, when they begin to ask for help, but they're building up in their own minds and in their own souls who God truly is. That that what they are going to ask for is easy. If God is who he says he is, if we truly believe this, then what we're going to ask for is easy for him. So let's listen uh, to the first part of this prayer, verse 24. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, "Sovereign." Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. Why do they go here first? They were just arrested and released. They spent a night in jail. Uh, They could have been killed. Why do they start with Sovereign Lord, you have created all of these things? God, you are king over everything in heaven and on earth. And in see, you created it all. You govern it all. You uphold it by the power of your word. You are master over it all. And you have absolute authority to do with it as you please. Just thinking of this one attribute of God, the sovereignty of God, should send our hearts into an overflow of worship. And it should give believers a massive amount of comfort and peace and security, knowing this one fact. Our God is the same God who spoke Jupiter into existence. Everything that ever was and is and everything that ever will be answers to our God, Satan and all his demons included. There's nothing in existence over which God does not proclaim mine. And this same sovereign Lord saw fit to provide sinners a substitute in His Son. The sovereign God of the universe is yet merciful and gracious to those He has created. And He came in the form of a baby. They go on, rooting their prayer in Scripture and quoting Psalm 2. Look at verse 25. Who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, Why did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against His Anointed.'" So David at the time, he's speaking of himself, not really realizing that he's a type of the Christ. And he says, look, everyone was against us, the Gentiles, the peoples, the kings of the earth, the rulers. Yet your people stand victorious. It's a praise. These men and women praying here, though, in Acts, they're linking this to their Messiah. They know, the scriptures have been opened to their mind. They know that Christ is the point of all scripture. And so David is a shadow and a type of the true and better king. And so Psalm 2 is a foretelling of gospel events to come. For them, it's gospel events of what just happened. Verse 27 explains it. For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed, your anointed one, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, the rulers, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel. Why? Why is this happening? Verse 28. To do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. All the plotting against God's anointed son was in vain because God had already predetermined or predestined the outcome. Now there are all sorts of fun conversations that can be had revolving this word but it's in our Bibles. We cannot run away from it. We don't have to like it, but it's there. Thomas Jefferson, he had a razor blade with him every time he read his Bible, and any time he came across something that he didn't like, he would just slice it out. Uh, We can't do that. So if there's tension between what we think God should be like and what we read in the Bible, if there's a tension there, the Bible has to take final say. Not our emotions or what we think. One of those two parties is sinful. I trust in the one that is not. The truth is, the Bible mentions both predestination and human freedom. But where we at mission draw the line is salvation. Salvation is not human choice. It is a sheer act of mercy from God. Ephesians 2, verses 8 through 9 say this, For by grace you have been saved through faith, And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. Outside of salvation, outside of that, how free will and God's sovereignty work together is honestly a mystery. The point is, God is always victorious. In the paradox of free will and divine sovereignty and how those work together, despite all of the raging of humanity that we see, Despite all of these high and holy folks being against God and against His anointed one, God's purposes prevail. God remains victorious. There's nothing that happened to Christ that was not part of the plan. And so there's nothing that happens to these believers. There's nothing that happens to you and I that is not a part of the plan. So listen to the truth here. Evil cannot thwart the plan of God. Evil cannot thwart the plan of God. Whether it's sin, whether it's cancer, whether it's any sort of darkness that we see in this world, it cannot thwart the plan of God. This means that everything you and I ever encounter in our lives, whether it is unfair, painful, confusing, or unjust, it all happens under the sovereign hand of God who is working out his plan of salvation for those who would believe. The pain that you and I have deep in our hearts from the sin and darkness of this world might just be for the redemption of someone else. One thing that I thought was amazing when I met with Terry, he said, honestly, Jake, I just feel bad that I didn't get to proclaim the gospel even more. What faith. And so later on that day, on Facebook, he posts and he says, since I'm no longer able to proclaim, I want to tell you here, Jesus is Lord, and he just explains the gospel. The pain that you and I have deep in our hearts from the sin and darkness of this world might just be for the redemption of another. Terry is using what's happening to him. The most unjust act in history, the brutal murder of an innocent Jesus, was part of God's redemptive plan to prepare for himself a people from every tongue, tribe, and nation. What man meant for evil, God meant for good. That is what a sovereign God does. He moves and he works everything at his disposal, which is everything, for His perfect purposes. So why do they pray this? For their own souls to remember. Because by remembering that God is sovereign, everything else is put in its proper place. If God is sovereign, then whatever or whoever we are facing in persecution or suffering is rightfully in God's hand. He knows what's happening. We are on the proper side of that equation, so with everything else that comes, we have faith. That is why they start with sovereign Lord. God, we don't understand all that's happening. We don't know why you have chosen to do it this way, but we know one fact that you are sovereign, and we take comfort there. To pray this then is to have faith. However, faith without works is dead. And so they continue their prayer with a request, and it is simply this. You are sovereign, therefore, point two, we pray for boldness. Therefore, we pray for boldness. After spending the time to reorient their hearts with right thinking of God, they turn to a request. And notice what they ask for. Do they ask for God to never let them go back to jail? Do they ask for God to make it easier for them? Do they ask for God to make the threats against them cease? Verse 29. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. They didn't pray for comfort, they prayed for the mission. They didn't pray for a better life here and now, they prayed for God to be glorified through them, even though death could come to them. Because of what they had to say. And for many of them, it would. They say, let us continue to speak your word with all the boldness necessary to get the news across. That you may save even more. That you may be glorified even more. What's the difference? What's the difference between proclaiming the gospel and not proclaiming the gospel? Boldness. They didn't cower in fear, although they could have. They asked God to grant them boldness in the midst of whatever comes. Notice, though, Where does the boldness necessary for our call to proclaim this gospel, to be a witness to all the nations, where does the boldness come from? Grant to your servants to speak with all boldness. Grant, give, allow, let. The power comes from God, the Holy Spirit. The power to proclaim is not within us. And I think we all know that far too well. The power and boldness to proclaim the gospel to those God has called us to, to proclaim to, is found in the same God who created the Alps. It makes total sense. Since God is sovereign and all-powerful, and since God is our creator, He alone is the one who can give us boldness. That's not a thing for Him. And He can and He will. How? Verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. God can give us boldness to speak, and He will. The question is have you asked for it? Who do you know? Who do you love? that needs to know that forgiveness of their sins is being offered to them in Jesus? Who do you know that needs to hear of the gospel? Think of someone right now that you want to share the gospel with and pray for boldness and then seek out the opportunity to share it. God will answer that prayer. It might be awkward. It might be weird for you. It might be a really bad explanation of the gospel. It might be a really bad time in your day when it comes. It's going to cost you something. But it could cost them everything. Whose suffering are you willing to live with? The world is perishing around us every day and the greatest issue in their lives is not blood pressure, it's not education, it's not political party. The greatest issue is the judgment that is to come one day because of their sin. Yet the free gift of grace is awaiting them. So what will you do with your gospel? Will you choose to skip over some because it might be offensive? What will you do with your gospel? Ultimately, why do we do this? Why is this our call? We know that it's a command. We know that there are lost people in the world. We pray for them every Sunday. We know we see them in our lives. We love these people. But that's not enough. Guilt will never be proper motivation enough for anything to happen. There must be a better motivation. There must be a deeper, heart-level joy in obeying this command. So what is it? Why do we do this? One reason and one reason only. We do this because of what Jesus has done for us. We were dead in our trespasses and sins, destined for an eternity of judgment against those sins, And it would have been completely just for God to have allowed that. And yet by Jesus, He didn't. Jesus came to give His life as a ransom for many. Jesus came to seek and save the lost, those without Him. Jesus came to redeem and purchase back sinners from the grave they deserve. Jesus lived the life that we should have lived. There was no sin in Him, yet He took on our sin. We just sang the words, my sin, not in part, but the whole, was nailed to the cross and I bear it no more. How do we know it's true? On the third day, Jesus was raised from the dead. And that showed that God accepted the sacrifice of Jesus on sinner's behalf. And at the cross, the work for salvation, the work needed for salvation was finished. And now, by turning from our sins to belief in this finished work, we will one day, undeservingly so, as unworthy sinners, we will be in the presence of our Sovereign Lord. We will be clothed in the righteousness of Jesus. And He will look at us and say, Well done, good and faithful servant. Come on in. And all things will be made new. All things will be before us and every tear will be wiped away forever. Our God is sovereign over all creation. Our eternity is secure in Jesus. And our power to speak comes from the Holy Spirit. The good news of the gospel is the greatest news in the universe to those who hear it. So why would we ever stop telling others about it? The proper motivation is not guilt. It's not to know, ah, I've got to go and check off this box. I've got to go and and proclaim the gospel. No, it's I get to proclaim the gospel. I have such a joy in my heart over what God has done for me in Jesus. I want others to know. I have such an overflowing happiness and contentedness and joy and peace and comfort in this gospel. Who else wants to know? We get to spend eternity together. Oh, won't you join me? And if it's someone you know, if it's someone you love, it makes it so easy because you can go to them and say, I, I love the idea of heaven. I want you to be there with me. Will you believe? Why would we ever? Why would we ever stop telling others about it? In order for us to wonder at the beauty of the gospel yet again, we're going to partake of the Lord's Supper together. And as we do, we remember the gospel. We remember the broken body and the shed blood so that we might live boldly and speak boldly in the newness that we have in Christ so that others might know it too. If you're a believer, you're welcome to the table. However... If you're an unbeliever, or if you're in unrepentant sin, I ask that you remain in your seat in this time. 1 Corinthians says that you would be eating and drinking in an unworthy manner. However, if you are in unrepentant sin, mercy awaits you. If you are in unrepentant sin, if you have sin right now in your life, mercy awaits you. It is made new for you this morning yet again. It's our nature to sin. And we will, until glory, we will struggle with sin, but we do not have to struggle to return. Jesus has paid that price for you once and for all already at the cross. So turn from your sins to believe in the gospel again today. If you're an unbeliever, hear the good news of the gospel again for you today. No, listen, it is for you. There's nothing so great in your past nor sin so dark in your present that nullifies what Jesus has done. However, it is only for you if you would believe. Have faith in Jesus today that your sins may be forgiven, that you may be relieved of the weight of wrath that is currently on your head. The grace of Jesus Christ is for you. If you have any questions about that, please find me after service, and I would love to talk to you about it. But believe today. For all of us, here is our prayer uh, for communion. Father, I confess my sin to you, and I am sorry. I admit that I do not proclaim the gospel or speak of your good news to the people you have called me to. Would you, by your Holy Spirit, grant me boldness to speak? Would you change me by your word? Would you drive the roots of my life down deep into the gospel again today? I ask in Jesus' name, amen. When you're ready, take your time to pray through what it is God has given you, to pray through this, maybe to repent of your sins. Just examine your own hearts and lives in this time And when you're ready, the elements are at the back of the room. Grab them, bring them back to your seat, and we'll take them all together here in a minute. We have all boldness at our disposal to speak of the gospel. How do we know? Because our eternity is secure. At the cross, the work was declared finished. How do we know that we can definitely be bold? by the gospel. On the night when Jesus was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also, he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's pray. Father, we come to you with so many distractions, so many things plaguing our minds at all times. And we come to you unworthy, unrighteous, and yet in Jesus, completely perfect. And so, Father, we we ask now that you would help us to proclaim, that you would, number one, show us the beauty of this gospel over and over and over again so that it only builds in beauty, so that we have nothing left but to proclaim of it. Father, would you give us faith? We believe in your gospel and yet we have so much unbelief. Would you, by a gift, by your mercy and grace, renew the faith within us again today? And in all of this, Father, we thank you. For the work of the cross that we could not accomplish, for the life it took to live that we could not. And we praise you and we give you all glory and all honor because of what you have done for us in your son. We thank you and we love you and it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.